True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, among others. They'll do all of that so you can do literally anything else. You have better things to do with your free time than focus on your lawn care. Let True Green take care of all the hard work it takes to get a great lawn while you take care of everything else on your to-do list. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades, and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when True Green is taking care of your lawn. You do you, let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Now, here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. And the first domino of free agency has fallen. Welcome into an emergency edition of Fantasy Baseball today on Sunday, November 19th. Sorry to all to interrupt your uh, football experience, but Aaron Ola is headed back to the Phillies on a seven-year, $172 million deal. We also had some smaller trades and non-tenders last Friday night. So uh, we'll quickly run through those as well. But let's just start here, Scott. Aranola, back to the Phillies. Mentioned seven years, $172 million. And according to John Heyman, Nola turned down even more money to remain in Philadelphia. He was the SP30 in Roto this past season, SP18 in head-to-head points. So a big disparity between those two. And a lot of that is because uh, Aaron Nola is a workhorse. He throws a lot of innings. Obviously, those matter a little bit more in points leagues. He has 1,065 and a third innings pitched since the start of 2018. That is second to only Garrett Cole. And I would say as of now, Scott, that is probably his best ability. What he provides in fantasy is the ability to be out there and throw lots of innings. Best ability is durability, you could say, and uh, I would that I I would agree. I would agree with that. Of course, we've seen Aaron Nola more be more than just an innings eater in the not so distant past, uh, and so I think from a fantasy perspective, it's hard not to be disappointed with this news. It, it kind of takes all the uh, the chance for. A renewal of enthusiasm. It kind of it kind of discards it because now we're we're stuck in the status quo and and things needed to get better for Aaron Nola uh, based on the way this past season went. Really, two of his past three seasons at ERA around four fifty, and uh, now there isn't that change of scenery argument that you could make for Aaron Nola because he's staying put. It also would have been nice to see him maybe go to a place that uh, isn't so hitter friendly. Um, just given that when he struggles, home runs are usually the issue. And so now we don't have that look to look forward to either. Actually going through his home away splits in recent years doesn't look like 
it doesn't look like there's anything definitive to say about that. But Philadelphia is a good place to hit. He gives up a lot of home runs. Maybe not the best possible place for him to pitch. So that disappointment, though, you could you could look at it another way, where because enthusiasm and fantasy for Aaron Nola is at an all-time low, and it seems like it's going to remain there with him going back to Philadelphia, there is opportunity for a potential bargain pick here because, like I said, to the last three years, ERA around 450. Is anybody that enthusiastic about drafting Aaron Nola back with the Phillies? I, we're getting into human psychology a bit here, I guess, but my, I, I would suspect not. I would suspect it's oh, Aaron Nola. We're going to do that again. And, and and so that might create an opportunity to get him for less than you've ever been able to get him before. And it could still go well. I, I mean, there he looked better in the postseason, and there was a mechanical change he made to to create a more direct path to home plate, basically improve his control. He was having some issues. He, he, he's a guy who has to live on the corners. And when he's have forced to throw the ball pitch down the middle to get strikes, that's where he gets in trouble with the home runs. So will that tweaking, is, is that something that'll carry over into next season? I, I mean, look what happened the year in between the two where Aaron Nola had about a 450 ERA. Like, there's still a good pitcher in there. And, I mean, if you look at the game log for Eric, Aaron Nola, I think that makes it even more clear. Uh, we, we mentioned at the front of this how good he is working deep into games. I mean, the game log, a lot of those starts, a lot of the individual starts Aaron Nola had are the kind that are only accessible to true aces. I see seven innings, 10 strikeouts, seven innings, one hit, 12 strikeouts, seven and a third innings, 12 strikeouts. Seven one-hit innings with nine strikes. Like, there's some great starts here in the game log for Aranola, even even though it ultimately ended up with an ERA around 450. Uh, so he's still he's still somebody that you should be happy to have leading your staff now. But now you should be happy to have leading your staff still. But now you may be able to get him more like a number three than a number one. Yeah, lots of great points there, Scott. Quick. First up on the postseason, he made four starts Aranola this year and uh, 235 ERA, .96 whip, 304 FIP, 313 Sierra. Like everything was great in the postseason. As for the uh, home road splits in his career, uh, I didn't notice anything there. 3.20 ERA at home, uh, 4.25 on the road. So some people might have pointed to that as a reason for optimism. Again, trying to get Nola out of Philadelphia. I don't think that's really been an issue. I think the bigger problem with Philly is their defense, right? Like their defense hasn't been great, probably doesn't project to be great entering 2024 either. Uh, and Aaronola, again, he does get strikeouts, but uh, I think he is someone that might have benefited from getting a great defense behind him as well. So I think those maybe uh, that might be a negative side of him staying in Philly. You mentioned like the this odd year, even year thing, 446 ERA this past season, 463 in 2021. That was kind of sandwiched around a 3.25 ERA in 2022. So we know he's in there. We know that there is a great pitcher in there. Uh, and if you just look since the start of 2021, he's got a 331 FIP, a 23.3% K minus walk rate during that span. That's seventh best among qualified starting pitchers. So there is a legit ace starting pitcher uh, in there for Arandola. It's just a matter of consistency. And honestly, we haven't seen too much of that over the uh, past three years. The... Draft price so far. I think there's been about, let's see, I got the ADP pulled up, 37 drafts. So 
More drafts happening now. We're getting a bigger sample, slightly bigger. The ADP is 56.4 for Aranola. The SP11 off the board, Scott. So no discount. I don't know if that will change now uh, mm -hmm. that people know he's back in Philly. Maybe he drops down a little bit. Notice that you have him as your SP19 off the board. But I was a little shocked to see that the early ADP has Noah as the SP11 off the board. Yeah, I mean, I may have the psychology wrong once, you know. I, mock draft results aren't that meaningful until we get into March, I feel like. Uh, it's just kind of a foretaste, and they can change pretty drastically once uh, once the offseason is done and once we're seeing them play in spring training again. And so it may just be that Aaron Nola carries a lot of name value still, and maybe he, there haven't been the deep dives into the numbers yet. But maybe, I don't know, like maybe that durability counts for more with people than I'm, I'm giving it credit for. And, uh, you know, he, he is a consistent source of 200 plus strikeouts as well, which is valuable, even if he ends up with an ERA near or above four. I can say if he ends up being a top 12 pitcher still, I probably won't be so invested in him. But uh, I do think enthusiasm would be higher if he signed somewhere else, just because you get that glimmer of hope that oh, okay maybe maybe they're going to do for him what philly hasn't been able to do for him in recent years i mentioned you had aranola as your sp19 off the board will you drop him at all in the ranking scott or just kind of leave him where he's at i'll probably leave him where he's at uh let me see let me pull it up and see exactly who he's surrounded by yeah i mean Yoshinobu Yamamoto I have right behind him and 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 so there's a chance he could move up or down depending on where he signs free agent himself big pitcher out of Japan but then right behind that is Justin Steele Kyle Bradish uh Max Scherzer I, I think Aaron Nola belongs ahead of those guys so yeah I'm, I'm pretty happy where with where I have Nola all right, again, Aranola headed back to the Phillies on a seven-year, $172 million deal. And we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we'll talk about some of the notable non-tenders as well as some uh, smaller trades that went down. Scott, your Atlanta Braves were a little busy this past mm -hmm. weekend, so we'll talk about that right after this. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back in. Let's quickly run through some of the notable non-tenders from uh, Friday evening. And the biggest name, obviously, is Brandon Woodruff, who is likely to miss most, if not all, of 2024 due to shoulder surgery that he had recently. We know that he's great when he pitches, Scott. A 3.10 ERA, 1.05 whip in his career, 10.4K per nine. But Woodruff was limited to just 67 innings this year. Again, probably not going to contribute much in 2024. Maybe a team signs him to a two-year deal looking forward to 2025. Uh, but even then, you know, he's coming back from a huge injury. I think that's the biggest name that got non-tendered. Yeah, I would agree. And it wasn't terribly surprising since he is, uh, uh, this is his final year that the Brewers could control him and he commands uh, a seven-figure salary. I'm sorry, an eight-figure salary in arbitration. And uh, you were going to pay a guy eight 
figures for a year where he's not really going to be available to you. So I, I do think Brandon Woodruff will sign a two-year deal somewhere uh, and we'll have a lot more to say about him entering 2025. I guess there is an outside chance he returns at some point in 2024 and gives us a little sneak preview of what to expect, but uh, I am not I'm not really putting any worth on Brandon Woodruff for 2024 drafts as of now. Yeah, I think he's a name to remember in uh, keeper leagues, dynasty leagues, you know, maybe some startups where you draft him late and then you can keep him for uh, a lower draft cost or a lower salary cost the following year. Again, that is Brandon Woodruff. A few other names that were non-tendered, Rowdy Telez, Nick Senzel, Austin Meadows, Spencer Turnbull, Juan Yepes, Dan Vogelbach, Dominic Smith. Nothing too surprising here, Scott. I don't think there's like a standout talent either. Maybe if Rowdy Telez winds up on a team where he's, you know, the everyday DH, he could still have an impact there. Uh, but was there anything notable from that group? No, I mean, some interesting names from the past, but not shocking in terms of, oh, I can't believe they non-tendered that guy. Rowdy Telez limited defensively and, and coming off a bad year after a really good year previously. Uh, but... Yeah, it's 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 going to be difficult for him to find a role where he gets enough at bats to matter in fantasy. I would say not impossible, but difficult. And uh, you know, names like Nick Senzel, Kyle Lewis, we cared about not so long ago in fantasy, but they've never really found any traction, at least not in in recent years. And uh, I'm not particularly concerned where they wind up. All right, let's run through some of these trades that went down. And your Atlanta Braves acquired reliever Aaron Bummer from the White Sox for a whole bunch of players. Not any that I know will be good, but this was kind of like... Well, a Names that you know. Names yes. that you know. Definitely a quantity trade here. Uh, the White Sox received Michael Soroka, Jared Schuster, Nicky Lopez, Braden Shoemake, and minor league righty Riley Goins. Uh, some people... You know, might be taking a little back here. Obviously, some big names from the past part of this trade. Uh, Aaron Bummer, the surface level numbers this season, 679 ERA, a 153 whip. Obviously, those are not good, but you dig a little bit deeper. A 358 FIP, a 351 XFIP. He's uh, a controllable lefty, gets strikeouts. So I understand why the Braves acquired him, but it was a decent amount of names that they gave up in that deal. Yeah, so it, it was definitely... I mean, it's, it's it's not a deal with major fantasy implications. Bummer going the other way, whatever. He's going to be a middle reliever. Uh, and, and and then you have this slew of players who we have talked about before. Michael Soroka, obviously the, the, the biggest, but it's been several years since he was of real fantasy value. Um, I, I think it's impossible to talk about this trade without talking about the other one where the Braves sent Kyle Wright to the Royals for, I don't even remember who it was for, uh, uh, Jackson Kawar. Jackson Kawar is who they got in return. Uh, I, I mean, if you're just, if you're grading these trades by name value, like what on earth are the Braves doing? But a lot of it has to do with, I think, uh, it, it's similar to a Brandon Woodruff situation, really. Not to that same extreme. Soroka and Kyle Wright aren't the caliber of pitchers Woodruff is, and they're not right on the verge of free. I think Soroka is actually, but Wright still has a couple years of team control. But we know Wright is going to be out all year recovering from shoulder surgery. Uh, and they just decided they'd rather have the 40-man spots. They'd rather have the money that they'd save by trading those guys away than to 
gamble on them uh, bouncing back to to form at some point. I, I think given the significance of Kyle Wright's injuries, it's hardly a sure thing. He's going to be back to the guy we saw in 2021. And I, I don't think anybody's that hopeful Michael Soroka is going to get back to being the pitcher he was as a rookie. So just by purging that many spots on their 40-man roster, clearing out that many spots on their 40-man roster, you have to think the Braves are planning to make a big splash here. I actually thought Aaron Nola was going to be the most likely. Uh, and and obviously, now he's staying in Philadelphia. But... Um, but yeah, they're they're planning something big with all those spots. I, I, I'll tell you the most curious part about the haul that got sent to the White Sox for Aaron Bummer was that two shortstops and Nicky Lopez and and Braden Shoemake. Not that either of them is has considerable upside for fantasy or is like a first division starter or shortstop or anything like that. But a shortstop depth and shortstop depth was something they've been. They were they had a hard time finding all year after losing Dansby Swanson in free agency. And it sounds like Von Grissom, the plan is to shift him to left field. So he's not going to be part of that shortstop depth. Uh, so they're going to have to fill some of those spots they freed up just with shortstops. Uh, so that was that was the most curious part of the move to me, more so than the, the, the fact that they dealt away Soroka and Kyle Wright. Yeah, and uh, just lastly on Soroka and uh, Schuster that went over to the White Sox. As of now, it's very early in the offseason. My guess is the White Sox will continue to unload and they'll trade away Dylan Cease, maybe some other pieces. They're going to have a lot of young guys in their rotation. Not that they are going to be fantasy viable just from the get-go, but maybe they turn into streamers. I I think there is going to be quite a bit of opportunities there in the White Sox rotation. So something to remember with that. Uh, some other trades that went down, the Marlins acquired Vidal Brujan, who is a former top prospect with the Tampa Bay Rays. Very clearly has not worked out so far. Um, my guess is he could be some kind of super utility guy off the bench for them as of now. If he gets a chance to play every day with that kind of speed, you know, maybe makes an impact for fantasy. The Mariners acquired Luis Arias. You mentioned uh, the Royals acquired Kyle Wright. They also traded for Nick Anderson from the Atlanta Braves, and then the Brewers acquired Jake Bowers, which might have not mattered, but Rowdy Telez was non-tendered, so uh, as of now, Jake Bowers is like a starter for the Brewers. I don't know if that will remain, uh, but some names there, Scott. Any of those matter? Uh, Vidal Brujan, Luis Arias, Jake Bowers. Probably not. Yeah, probably not. I, I don't know that we have a final verdict on Brujan, but he did nothing with his limited opportunities with the Rays the past couple of years. And I think the, the, uh, what's the expression? The bloom is off the rose. Is that the expression? That sounds right. Yeah. I don't know. It sounds, <laughs> if it's wrong, I will sound stupid, but that's okay. I'll own that. Um, yeah, I, I think honestly, I, I think there's a better chance. Michael Soroka turns into something with the white Sox, who of course have rotation needs or or even that Nicky Lopez turns into something with the White Sox now that Tim Anderson's gone I, I suspect he'll get an opportunity to play every day for them at shortstop and he's been a viable base dealer in the past don't think he's going to be a big deal in fantasy but I think there's a better chance he has some relevance than those players you just mentioned Bowers, Brujan and who's the third? The third was Luis Arias of the Mariners Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't see them playing having a significant enough role to matter in fantasy. All right, a bunch of smaller moves that got done. Again, just ran through 
all of those. Uh, and just a heads up for programming this week, we'll have a pod that's coming out tomorrow on Monday, uh, November 20th, where we recap the shortstop position and take a look at early rankings. And then later on this week, Wednesday morning, we'll have a podcast with the Welsh and I breaking down shortstop prospects. For Scotty, I am Frank. Thanks as always for tuning in to Fantasy Baseball today. Please make sure to follow and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. And we'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye.